Let's uh, look at the scriptures this morning that we're going to be uh, uh, studying out of Luke's gospel, the sixth chapter, starting at verse one, and then uh, we'll pray. On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and he also gave it to those with him. And he said to them, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there, and Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them, all, he said to them, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord of the Sabbath, Son of Man, we come before you today uh, on this Sabbath to remember who you are. Thank you that you show mercy to those of us who are crippled by sin. Lord, you spoke your word of healing and you restored us and you are restoring us and restoring all things. So Lord, we pray this morning as we hear your word, we would be encouraged, we would be reminded of who you are and your great grace, which is extended to us through your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning. Um, if you're new, my name is Matt Ortiz. I'm one of the, the pastors here. And um, we are between series uh, right now. And this morning, as you saw, we're looking at Luke chapter 6 um, and talking about the rest you need. Um, I was wondering if somebody uh, can do me a favor. Chris, can you open those, those wooden curtains? all Or Ming, can you open those all the way for me? Thanks a lot. Um. We'll start with this. It's pretty obvious, but sometimes life is just a grind. There are seasons where life can just grind you down. You ever wish you could put the world on pause for like a minute? Remember those Staples commercials talking about the big easy button that just would fix everything? I could use one of those. I'm sure I'm not alone in that. We live in a broken world filled with troubled souls. No matter what your circumstances are, rich or poor, advantage, disadvantage, whatever, we all need deep healing rest. We stress about finances. We stress about families. We stress about friendships. We stress about our future and whether or not our lives will matter. We want to know that things are going to be okay that we're going to be okay. 
And so we kick into either fight or flight, right? When we fight, we work hard at trying to control everything, and it sucks the life out of us. And when we realize we can't control everything, we go with flight, and we try to numb the frustration with escapism, and it sucks the life out of us. Either way, we are worn out. We are weary. And our topic for this morning is rest, because the Lord knows we need it. Now, that doesn't exactly sound like a super exciting topic, does it? But I'm telling you, it's critical. Even when we go on vacation, we need a vacation to recover from our vacation. We can't slow down the RPMs of our inner life. Why, why is it that we find it so difficult to rest? Well, several reasons, I think. Like, jobs are a lot harder to come by, and they can disappear with no notice. The cost of living in San Diego is crazy. It is all out of whack, especially compared to personal income. Most households around here, you know, they have to get more than one job uh, to make the ends meet. And we have technology, which enables us to work anywhere, which can be good, but then we work everywhere. But most significantly, in our day, we get our personal significance from what we do. What is, in our culture, what's the first question we ask someone that we meet? What do you do, right? Which is not necessarily a bad question, but what is bad is when our identity gets wrapped up in what we do because it becomes impossible then to really rest. And I, I you know, more than ever, it's difficult and important to rest. I'll show you. First of all, if you're, t- if you're following along with your notes, we need to rest to refresh our bodies. Look at what we read. It says in verse 1, one Sabbath Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Now, this wasn't stealing. They weren't stealing. Like when you walk by the bins of the dry goods at Sprouts and snag a handful of chocolate-covered almonds. Jesus wasn't stealing. This was allowed. The problem uh, here was that it was the Sabbath, and reaping was one of the 39 works the rabbi said that you couldn't do on the Sabbath. And so verse 2, some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Now, if someone called you out on some kind of technicality like this, how would you respond? I mean, if, if I'm honest, I would probably tell them to just chill out and mind their own business, and stop being such a legalistic religious nag. But Jesus doesn't say that. And he doesn't say, hey, I came here to get rid of the Sabbath. He didn't say that either. So what's he say? Verse 5, he says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And what he's saying here is that I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I, the Sabbath is what I am all about. The Sabbath is central to who I am and what he came to do. He says, I am the Lord that gives you the rest that you really need. Jesus is not eliminating the Sabbath because as humans, we all have a profound need for physical rest. 
In Exodus chapter 23, the Old Testament ceremonial law said, six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work so that you may be refreshed. And the word refreshed there literally means to catch your breath. Some of you need to catch your breath this morning. You're just waiting for a break. And you're not sure you're ever going to get one. We need rest. But, but listen, this is important. Our relationship with what we do, our relationship uh, with our work is so out of whack that if you think that just taking a day off will lead to real deep healing rest, you're fooling yourself. The need for deep rest is so great that we cannot survive without it. But at the same time, it's difficult, right? It doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come easily. And we can't just do it as a simple act of applying a biblical principle. Why is it so difficult for us to really rest? Why is it that the national statistic is that one out of every $8 is spent on leisure, but at the same time, we are still such a restless people? I mean, we have countless options of various ways. You know, we can rest here in Southern California. You go to any hotel lobby, check out the rack of postcards. You see all the different things that we could do in San Diego. If you're willing to max out your credit cards and sell one of your kids or somebody else's kid. In San Diego, we could go to the beach, we can go to the mountains, we can go to Disneyland, we can go to Mexico, we can go to the desert, but we're still not restful. And this brings us to our second reason to rest. First is to refresh our body. Secondly, rest to realign our souls. Something more than physical rest is needed. Something deeper Check how Jesus responds to the Pharisees. He answered them saying, have you ever read what David did when he and his, his companions were hungry? He's referring to something, an event that happened in 1 Samuel chapter 21. David and his men were on the run. They were hungry. So David went to a priest and asked for food. But the only food that the priest had was this consecrated bread in the tabernacle. Only priests were allowed to eat this bread. But the priest went ahead and gave the bread to David and his men. And God never rebuked them, never corrected them for setting aside this law. Now, why is that? Well, first, you need to know that God will never allow a moral law to be set aside under any circumstances. But here, God allows David to set a ceremonial law aside. Moral laws last forever, but a ceremonial law is a provisional law that will end when something happens that fulfills it and makes it obsolete. It can be set aside for special circumstances. Jesus is saying that the Sabbath is provisional because it points to something far greater. It is a physical event that, that points to a spiritual reality. It points to a deeper rest, a rest for your soul. And we need this deeper rest. We're desperate for this deeper rest. 
Judith Shulovitz wrote that when the Sabbath was still sacred, not only did drudgery give way to festivities and family gatherings and occasional worship, but the machinery of self-censorship shut down too, stilling the eternal inner murmur of self-reproach. You, do you see what she's saying here? She's saying that, that, that we not only need a, a rest from the work, we need a rest from the work under our work. On the surface, we may be working at our job. We might be working hard at something that we want to be really like, good at, something that we might want to have. But under all of that, we are working to prove to ourselves and to others that we're not losers or that we have value or significance. And it's this never-ending work under the work, this machinery of, of self-censorship, of self-condemnation, this eternal murmur of self-reproach, this striving for completeness that just makes us weary and more torn apart. You can take a day off and still be weary from the endless work to prove that you matter. Physical rest is important, but it's not enough. So often we think that if I get my act together and I get ahead of everything, if I get ahead of my schedule and my finances and my career and my job, then I can finally rest, but it doesn't happen through that. And we say, well, fine, you know what? I'm just going to take it as easy as I possibly can. I'm going to work as little as I can. I'm going to just work four days a week, whatever, whatever it is. Um, I'm going to do whatever it is that makes me feel happy and I'll escape because we're tired and it doesn't give us the rest that we're looking for. We, phys we need the, a deep stage for REM rest for the soul. And that raises a key question. The key question is, where do we get this rest? It points us to our third reason for rest. Rest to remember the Lord. Look at verse 5 again. Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus, you need to know, he's, he's dropping a bomb right here. Jesus is saying, I am the one. He's saying to this, these people who are so like concerned about every little detail about keeping the Sabbath, what you can do and what you better not do. And then Jesus says, hey, listen, I am the one the Sabbath points to. I am the fulfillment of the Sabbath. I am the one that gives you the deep rest that God wants for you. The only one, he says, who shuts down the machinery of self-censorship, the only one who can quiet the eternal murmur of self-reproach and put an end to your endless striving is me because I am the Lord of real rest. That was the bomb for them. That was blasphemous to them. And so at this point, we need to answer a couple of quick questions. And the first one is, what is this rest? What is this rest that Jesus gives us? It is a rest based on complete satisfaction with our work. Now, let me explain that, okay? Because it's easy to come to a false conclusion uh, when I say it is a rest based on complete satisfaction with our work. Genesis chapter 2. 
God finished the work he had been doing, it says. And so on the seventh day, he rested from his work. When God finished his work of creation, he rested. Why did he rest? Was he like, man, I am so exhausted and wiped out from creating all these things. That's not why he rested. He wasn't tired. Then why did he rest? He rested because he was completely satisfied with his work. You know, you remember the story, you know, every time God created something, he looked at it, and what did he say? It is good, right? It is good. Over and over again, he looked at what he created, he said, it is good. And when he was done, he looked at it again, and he said, it is very good. The only way to rest deeply is if you are completely satisfied with what you've done. Complete satisfaction is the key to the deep rest that we all need, and that's our problem. We will never be satisfied with our work, under our work, our work of trying to prove our value, our work of trying to prove our worth is never done. Or is it? See, the rest Jesus gives us is a rest received by faith. In Jesus. Hebrews 4 says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. And how did God rest from his work? He rested by being fully satisfied. And the writer of Hebrews says, Christians, those who, who place their faith in Jesus Christ, can experience the deep rest that they need and are desperate for because they are completely satisfied in Christ. Our real rest comes from him. And how does he give us this rest? There's a clue in the text. After Jesus heals that guy's hand, it says the Pharisees were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Why? Because when he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, he is claiming to be God. And so they're faced with a choice now. Will they worship him or will they kill them? Will they worship him or will they kill him? That was their choice. They went with kill him. And we're all inclined to go with that. We're all guilty of that. There's no third choice. We either crown him or we kill him. And here's what's ironic. It was on the cross that Jesus fulfills the Sabbath. On the cross, Jesus cried out, it is finished. What was finished? His work for your soul is finished. His work for you and for your soul is completed. He lived a perfect life and he lived that life for you and then he died for all of our sin, past, present, and future. It is finished. You can rest. You don't have anything to prove to anybody, yourself or anybody else. You can rest. 
And so when we trust in Jesus, when we say, I will not rest on my own works, I will not rest on my own ability, I will not rest on my own ability, but his, and God, I pray that you would accept me not for my works, but his, then God freely and graciously and gladly gives you credit for the perfect work of Jesus. His perfect work of obedience becomes yours. And he looks at you and he says, it is good. It is very good. It is finished. You can rest. I forget that all of the time. That's why we need each other on Sunday mornings to remind each other who Jesus is and that he's done it all. (laughs) We need each other throughout the week so we can remind each other who he is and that he's done it all. When the Father says, looks at you and says, you are my son, you are my daughter, in whom I am well pleased, your inner machinery of self-reproach will shut down. When you hear the Father tell you, I'm completely satisfied with you, then the eternal murmuring of self-censure is silenced. When you hear the Father say, you are my child in whom I am well pleased, it is then that you experience deep rest. Rest in him, something this world can't give you, something your performance can't, can't get you. Something that escapism won't give you. Do you know this deep rest? If you know Jesus, it is available to you. And if I can't rest, man, I think this this right here, I got to tell you. I, I t- tell people often that when I'm preaching up here, um, I'm not just working on convincing you all. I'm preaching to convince me too because I need the gospel too. And this is something, my my wife's nodding over there because she knows. She knows this troubled soul that I have that is relentless, like this thorn in my side. And the only thing, the only thing that gives me relief is when I remember the Lord to realign my soul. It's only then when I get relief If I'm striving for relief some other way because my eyes are focused on me and my needs, I end up hurting other people or just pulling away from them. This is the rest that gives you the ability to be zealous for the Lord, uh, to to just leave leave it all in the field for God's glory, or to just say no to certain things. Because you don't have anything to prove to yourself or anybody else. You're living for God and out of gratitude. So if we say, okay, yes, I have trusted Jesus to be my Savior, but I still have, you know, this anxiety of the soul. I've found for me, it's that I don't fully understand or see all that I have in him. It's easy for me to say that's cool and all, but I also need this. You know what you call that? Idolatry. And it will rip you off and let you down and crush you. This is why we need to keep wrestling with the truth of the gospel, the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done out of sheer grace. (laughs) We will never 
go deeper than the gospel. You can't. We will never go beyond the gospel. We can't. This is what we need. Jesus is more than enough. We're about to take the Lord's Supper. This is an opportunity to practice resting in him. Uh, It's a, a, a physical action that points to a spiritual reality. When you're thoughtfully participating in the Lord's Supper, remembering that the bread represents his body broken for you and the wine represents his blood poured out for you to give you rest in, in him. When we participate in the Lord's Supper, it's a time for us to remember that Jesus says to each and every single one of you who trust him, it is finished. You can rest. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me?